Hey everyone, welcome to the Roto World Football Podcast. I am Matt Straub. There are four teams remaining in the NFL playoffs. Today we're bringing you a preview of the NFC and AFC Championship games. I'm joined by John Daigle, Pat Doherty, and Hayden Winks. Guys, quietly, I would say one of the biggest storylines of this postseason has been the emergence of Pat Doherty as an elite, dare I say dominant? Yes, we'll say dominant DFS player. He's... (laughs) Way too humble to say it himself, but he came in here after the wild card round, just having raked in an untold amount of cash, carrying himself with a ton of swagger. Pat, I just want to ask, how's it been going since then? Listen, you can't win a GPP every weekend. I mean, I do almost every weekend. And by that, I mean one time ever in my entire life. And, uh, you know, last weekend, it was huge. We played about $30 and we won $33. So just, uh, I'm printing money over here. And if I can make $3 every week, I mean, I feel like I'm close to like breaking the system, the DFS system. They might have to make changes at DraftKings, you know, to how the system's set. If I'm just going to do that every week to them, it would be a real problem. I'd rather win the $3 than lose the rent. I don't have to pay to anyone like I did. So (laughs) congrats. congrats. Because Michael Thomas was not friendly to me. No, he was not. Wrote about all you have to do with that three dollars invest it into some Bitcoin, and then your kids' <laughs> tuition is all paid for. Well, can I can I tell you something about DFS too? Like, so I played I think five different lineups, and my friend and I spent we probably spent 40, 50 minutes making the four lineups, and then the only one that cashed was the one I put in like five minutes before the games started on Saturday. I'm like, I don't have a single Brady lineup. I put in a break and like the, the one I put by far the least amount of thought into was the only one that made any money. You just can't go full tournament, bro. You can't say, Oh, I was a two V two away from winning a million dollars. Yeah. That's, that's the point of DFS. You got to get it all right. Of course. Can I, can I say one other thing? I'm not about DFS today. We're going to let the healing begin and we're going to begin the peaceful transfer of power to Taysom Hill uh, in the saints quarterback room. And this is going to be, uh, an off-season of change in the NFL in America. Can't wait for that. It's going to be Jameis. That's my take. <laughs> I think it is going to be Jameis, but yeah. All right, let's get into our game-by-game preview. Just two games, of course. First up on Sunday is the Bucks at the Packers. Green Bay is favored by three and a half, a total of 51 in this one. Guys, if you browse through Aaron Rodgers' game log, there is really one truly hideous dud in there. The one game where he didn't throw a touchdown pass the one game where he threw multiple interceptions, the one game where Green Bay scored less than 20 points all year. That was, of course, a 38-10 loss to these Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week six. Daigle, what are you looking for when they meet again on Sunday at Lambeau? I think it's a completely different game. Uh, Packers, of course, had a season-low 200 yards of offense in that one, but a lot went wrong. Rodgers, of course, was under pressure at the highest rate he's faced all year, and we know that Rodgers hasn't been good under pressure this year. The fact is he just hasn't been under pressure at all. It was Devontae Adams' first game back from injury in that one. Alan Lazard was not available at full health. Robert Tunyon suffered an ankle injury mid-game. So overall, I think it is a... Completely different offense the Bucs are seeing here. Uh, Last week against the Rams, of course, the league's number one scoring defense, they had allowed a single 50-yard gain 
all regular season. And the Packers showed up with two of them in the divisional round. They hadn't allowed over 350 yards of offense throughout the year. And the Packers had 424. So I just think the Packers offense, the Packers team overall, is much better in this spot against a Bucks defense that, as we cited in last week's preview show, is leaky, except that Drew Brees' arm was leakier, and now he walked away. Um, you're playing the MVP. You're not playing Drew Brees' dead arm. So I think there will be points on both sides of the ball here. I think the last matchup what you saw is the Bucks. I mean, they're a very volatile defense, and it's because they blitz a lot. And if you look at all the numbers, I mean, if you just watch the games, a blitz is either a negative play or a huge play. And in the first matchup, so many of these blitzes got home. I think the one thing I'm looking at is this is the third game the Packers' newly assembled offensive line is playing together. And in that first game, there was some there were some miscommunications. The running backs were missing some blocks, so. I think the Bucs are going to come after Rodgers again. The thing is, is since that game, Rodgers has dominated against the Blitz. So I do think the Bucs will create some pressure. It just comes down to is the offensive line, because a bunch of guys just pivoted positions with Bakhtiari out. That's the matchup I'm watching for. Um, ultimately, I, I don't think that's going to be a blowout in either direction. It's probably going to be a close game. Yeah, I mean, you guys laid it out about perfectly. It comes down to the two volatilities of the Bucks defense and then, the, like Hayden said, the Packers reshuffled offensive line, which held up kind of shockingly well against the Rams. I mean, maybe it was because Aaron Donald just wasn't anywhere close to 100%. I mean, I guess they claimed he wasn't snap counted. Uh, but, I mean, he was visibly snap counted. Uh, the Packers offense this week had you know, the looks of just like an unstoppable machine still in even with Aaron Donald less than 100% health, I mean, I was shocked to see that because when, when Donald you know, barely played uh, the second half against the Seahawks, and the Seahawks still could not move the ball in the wild card round, and yeah, I mean, that Bucks defense had given up lots of yards down the stretch, you know. And Carlton Davis was in and out a lot. They've had a lot of injuries. They had some COVID issues late in the season, and like John said, it was probably mostly the fact that Drew Brees was apparently literally playing with a torn rotator cuff. Like I don't know how you can even throw the ball five yards with a torn rotator cuff, but the Bucks defense like looked the top end of what we have seen from them this season, like their very best. And uh, I mean, if they can play even half that well, it'll be a real pre- Hayden too made it just a great point. It was all about that pressure. It was just getting home time and again in that first game. And as we, I think it's going to be a different game, but it, it, you guys just nailed it where it's the two volatilities, the, the Packers line and the Bucks defense. And, and their front seven has quietly been a sieve as well. Uh, most recently allowed 100 yards to Alvin Kamara last week, and then in week 17 allowed 130 yards to Brian Hill. So I think Aaron Jones can quietly have some success here as well, although as we saw last week, he'll probably be in a 55-45, 60-40 split with Jamal Williams. What is the deal with Aaron Jones in the passing game? The Bucks allowed the most running back receptions this season. And Aaron Jones you know, is one of the biggest playmaking running backs there is in the passing game in the NFL. And he hasn't had five five catch games since the first half of the season. I don't know why he's been so un- – maybe they just haven't needed him because you know, they've been humming so well. But I would love to see Aaron Jones more involved in the passing game this weekend. I was just looking at the, the running backs when I was doing my player projections. And Aaron Jones is my highest projected running back. But that's like at 13 and a half – PPR points like every one of these teams are using a, a committee or not using the running backs at all so for like DFS slates it's like pick your poison at running backs and the, the Aaron Jones that we had in the first like five games of the season is like long long gone his splits with Devontae Adams are drastic and I thought going into the playoffs like you guys mentioned it was going to be the Aaron Jones show but that's just clearly not the case even when AJ Dillon left with his injury it was still a lot of time with Jamal Williams so you kind of have to project like that's going to keep 
going forward and the Bucks run defense, it's hasn't been as good, but still very good overall. So I, you're just going to see a lot of Aaron Rodgers dropbacks, um, and it's just going to be up up to Devontae Adams, really. Well, they're going to run the ball. Uh, that was their scheme against the Rams to keep Rodgers out of pressure from Aaron Donald, who, like Pat said, 55% of the snaps and when he was on the field just was not effective. He was clearly banged up and just muscling through that one. But Aaron Jones outsnapped Jamal Williams 47-28, to outtouched him 15-12, to and I think people will cite that split and then be scared to use him. But the fact is in DFS, any fantasy contest, you're not using him because of the, or you're not shying away from him because of the split and touches. You're playing him because of the efficiency, because he is one of the more efficient backs on this entire slate. Even last week, he's splitting touches and he, not Jamal Williams, was the one who broke out for a 60-yard run the moment they returned from the intermission. So again, with the Bucks front seven being quite leaky, uh, I think Aaron Jones, you're looking for an explosive day from him, not one that he dominates and touches. I don't think that matters here. Speaking of that Bucks front and the Packers backfield for another second here, Tampa Bay reportedly could get Vita Vea back from broken leg for this game. He was designated to return from IR, reportedly expected to practice Wednesday. I mean, what do you make of the impact of that if we see him back on the field, Hayden? I don't think he's going to play. I think I think they're kind of looking at the Super Bowl. I mean, this would be coming back very fast and like – Going from like a broken broken ankle or whatever you had into no practices just to go run out there, I, he would even only be playing a couple snaps. So I think that the Bucs are hoping they can get him back for the Super Bowl. They get an extra two weeks to get him back in there. So I, I'm expecting him back for the Super Bowl if they can make it. All right, looking at this from the side of things when Tampa has the ball, we saw Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and Antonio Brown combined for 47 receiving yards last week. Who do we think gets the Jair Alexander treatment here, Daigle? Is it Mike Evans? It depends what happens with Antonio Brown. Right now, it doesn't look like he's going to play. He didn't practice on Wednesday. Time will tell. Uh, however, that makes it pretty simple in the fact that Mike Evans will be glued to the outside more, despite the fact he did play more slot this year. Um, and Chris Godwin will probably roam more free. And so it just limits the options the Bucks have if Brown isn't available. I think that's what happens. Yeah, Hayden, do you have any lean on that? I just think it's if Brown is out, it's pretty obvious what happens here. Yeah, so in the week six matchup, Jair Alexander kind of he shadowed Mike Evans because he would like go to each side wherever Mike Evans was on. But the Packers don't play that much man defense. So a lot of the time it's like they're matched up together, but they're playing in his own defense. So like there's only so many routes where like it's truly going to be one on one. In my projections, I knocked Mike Evans a little bit. He doesn't look fully healthy to me. And in this matchup uh, in week six, he only had two targets against Jair Alexander. Obviously, like Mike Evans is still so dominant in the red zone, you can still play him. He projects okay for me. I have Chris Godwin very well projected. His matchup against Chandon Sullivan in the slot is much easier. He's kind of the zone beater of the offense. If Antonio Brown is indeed out, I would really like the Chris Godwin receiving props that are out there on that points bet. So I have this more of a Chris Godwin game than a Mike Evans game, partially because of Jai Alexander, partially just because the way the Packers play defense overall. And of course, the Bucks have scored at least 30 points in five straight games. We expect them to put up points here. Uh, and then the, the Rams were even able to move the ball through the air as well against the Packers. I know it shows 18 points, but Jared Goff surprisingly efficient in that game. Cam Akers explosive as well. So we can definitely expect uh, a lot of points here. Was I hallucinating last week or did Chris Godwin like look more fluid maybe? Like someone who is... I felt like not even close to 100%. So Mike Evans didn't look 100% a lot of season. I thought the same thing was kind of true of Chris Godwin. I thought maybe we saw just truly like eye test nonsense. But I thought that Chris Godwin uh, looked better last week. But I don't know why we're talking. 
the, the Bucks passing game, it goes through Cam Brate and Leonard Fournette. So that's <laughs> what we need to focus on. Well, speaking of eye test nonsense, I mean, Leonard Fournette has looked a lot better than the sluggish back we saw like in the middle of the season. He handled 22 touches to just 13 for Ronald Jones. Both guys went over 60 rushing yards, but Fournette got all the work in the passing game. Hayden, do you expect more of the same where it's just this is kind of becoming Leonard Fournette's backfield where Jones is more of the 1A? Or do you think that, you know, as Jones gets more recovered, he's going to be taking more of the share from Fournette? This is a very fragile projection for me because Ronald Jones already said that he's feeling much better this week than last week. And when you were watching Ronald Jones, he was very effective in like the last like two yards of all of his runs. He was like noticeably limping and it's just like, okay, is he just going to like have to exit this game all of a sudden? Um, So it's really is a toss up. It seems like they're just going to try to go with this hot hand approach. I agree. Leonard Fournette does look better for whatever reason, but like, like one bad drive from Leonard Fournette. And if Ronald Jones isn't indeed healthy, these roles could flip. So when it comes to like DFS, I think it's very fragile. You can take your darts. I wouldn't be confident in anything surrounding either of these players, especially if, if the Packers offense is clicking, the Bucks are going to go to the path. They've been using a lot of play action. They've been passing more and they're just passing offense has been so good since their bye week. So I don't think either of them project very well, just because I, I'm projecting more of a split and I don't, I'm not very confident either way, honestly. Uh, given how weak the slate of running backs is though, an ambiguous, ambiguous situation is a good one for DFS because it allows you to create your own solution and perhaps be different from the field. Uh, but yeah, Leonard Fournette did look good. Ronald Jones, of course, did have a 44 yard run called back in the fourth quarter as well. Yes, it was holding. So it was cheating. So it should have been called back, but at least he got there. He was somewhat explosive towards the end and also primarily, played on the team's last two drives that was not when they played Fournette when it counted most so yeah it's a it's a toss-up honestly if he's healthy I kind of lean Jones over Fournette even though Fournette was effective last week but yeah we'll see yeah, the Packers too they kind of throughout the year gave up some big plays in the run game and which you would normally want to rely more on Ronald Jones for but I think you know Bruce Arians has been like throwing bouquets Leonard Fournette <laughs> way uh, I see people trying to make a meme of like playoff Lenny so I don't maybe Maybe Fournette's just like happening. And I guess the DF expert, F, DFS expert that I am, see, I, I know what it's called even. Uh, I probably am leaning towards Leonard Fournette. But the upside play is always going to be Ronald Jones because he can hit those home runs. I, I would say it's somewhat game script dependent too. I mean, Leonard Fournette has historically been the more passing down back. So if you're building DFS lineups, I would kind of surround the the story, if you will, around which running back would fit into that uh, that lineup. Quickly, before we move on from this game, Devontae Adams scored a touchdown in 12 out of 15 games he's played this season. That includes a score against the Rams last week. Of course, the first time against the Bucs, just six catches for 61 scores yards. You mentioned his first game back. How does this matchup look for Adams three months later, Daigle? It's Devontae Adams. He's fine. He's <laughs> he's going to win it. Um, last week, they almost didn't even use him, although, of course, he still finished with the team high in targets. But in the first half, they were more using him to pull good tackling defenders away from the line of scrimmage and then using multiple back sets and just running forward for six yards per carry. And it was very effective. But then, of course, you saw they get inside the one. LaFleur schemes up pre-snap motion and then Adams just beats him that way and it was hilarious how pissed Nick Scott was who just like took a false step forward and didn't get out of Jalen Ramsey's way but yeah uh, either way not only will they scheme up Devontae Adams to get him the ball where it counts most but also it's Devontae Adams he's gonna win so not worried about it whatsoever he will have a good game like I cited earlier this was his first game back in week six from injury so it's a 
totally different Devontae Adams we're going to see. They were, I'm just glad you said they were so creative with his usage last week. And, you know, that was a more concerning matchup than this week was. So I agree that it's all systems go. Mm. Son. I was drinking coffee Sunday. and had a thought. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Alan, Laz- Alan Lazard as well, I'll say. Uh, last week, that was his most snaps and targets and catches, I believe, since he initially suffered his injury in week three, that core injury, that he was limited for the second half of the season. This team was in dire need throughout the year for a second receiver outside of Devontae Adams. And Alan Lazard obviously delivered with his opportunities. So, yeah, it's, again, another player that the Bucks just didn't see at all in week six. Four catches for 96 yards and a score for Lazard last week. Let's move on to Sunday evening, guys. Uh, Of course, the AFC Championship game is the Bills at the Chiefs. KC favored by three, a total of 54 in this one. Probably the biggest question in this game surrounds the status of Patrick Mahomes. He reportedly had a light practice on Wednesday, but remains in the concussion protocol as of this taping. Pat, I think we're all assuming Mahomes is playing. And if that is the case, what are you watching for in this game? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I guess we're believers in the NFL's concussion protocol, but, I mean, they'll whatever it takes, they're going to bring in Dr. Nick from The Simpsons, Dr. Spaceman from 30 Rock. Like, they will get Pat Mahomes cleared, whatever it mm-hmm. takes. So I do think he'll be out there. And it's weird. So, like, the Chiefs, like, what do we say about the Chiefs at this point? Because we haven't seen, like, Chiefs unleashed, you know, in, like, two or three months. And we were kind of getting there last Sunday. I mean, they were still – the game was too close. Like, I felt like for how the teams had played before Pat Mahomes got hurt, like I thought it should have been like a three-touchdown game at that point, and they were letting the Browns hang around, and the Chiefs just weren't quite – they just hadn't quite hit that monster play. And I think – I kind of said this on the Monday show, so sorry if I'm repeating myself, but I think maybe we're finally seeing – like even the Chiefs can kind of – so they have two all-world weapons in Tyree Kill – and Travis Kelsey, but we might finally be seeing like the lack of depth behind them catch up with the offense a bit because they just don't have a third option to go to right now without Clyde Edwards Hilaire. You know, it wasn't great, even like when he was fully healthier on the season. And like they just can't spark Mecole Hardman. He had the one, he had a 40 yard run on a shovel pass last week, and then like 12 total yards on like his four other touches. And this they would really benefit from getting one a third player going and I have no idea what Sammy Watkins' status is this week. I mean, it's, CH will probably play, but I just feel like the Chiefs would really benefit from getting one, just one more option in the passing game. Yeah, I, I agree with that. McCall Hartman's still just like a gadget guy, and he hasn't like really developed yet. Um, and he played corner in college. Like, this isn't too surprising to me. <laughs> I, I think that the two things I'm looking for in this game, it's one, it's the toe injury for Patrick Mahomes and how much that affects him. He was kind of not fully stepping into some throws last week. He wasn't uh, scrambling as much um, either. And I think the second thing is how the Bills played against the Chiefs in the matchup earlier this season. Lots of two high safeties, lots of cover four. Basically what they were saying is we're okay if you run the ball against us. We're okay if you throw the shallow pass, but you will not beat us deep. And they actually became the first defense in the next-gen stat era to not blitz against a offense the entire game that's courtesy of uh, Steven Ruiz and what you also saw with the the Chiefs is it was their lowest neutral pass rate of the season they were down at 35 percent typically they're around like 65 70 percent so basically the Bills defense just the way they were playing were like we are okay if you run the ball against us throw these shallow crossers that's fine with us you will not beat us deep so I do wonder if the Chiefs are going to have to kind of dink and dunk their way down the field and have like longer drives rather than these explosive plays. But 
obviously when you're dealing with Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, it's just one play and they're gone. So it's a bigger challenge for the Bills. But if I was playing against Patrick Mahomes, that is how I would handle it too. Yeah, John, I was going to jump in for you because I'm glad that Hayden brought up the dinking. Because like the Bills will surrender that. But like the Bills did that, you know, two weeks ago against the Colts. And like, I felt like it wasn't good enough. Like they should have lost the game to the Colts. And like Phillip Rivers didn't have like a super high yards per attempt. He didn't have like a lot of 20 yard completions, but it seemed like the Colts were getting like 15 yards, like at will against this Bills defense. And, you know, that is not going to fly. So, I mean, last week, totally different mindset, like game plan against a dual threat quarterback and Lamar Jackson. But I got the feeling like that is not going to fly this week against Pat Mahomes. And, it's hard to know what to take away from that first game, but by the way, because it was like a Monday afternoon in the rain. But yeah, the Bills' defense was not good enough against the last pure passing quarterback. In play. Well, it wasn't just um, a Monday afternoon. Remember, the game prior, the Bills had their game bumped back from Thursday to Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, because of the COVID outbreak with the Titans. So their two, three-week schedule was all out of whack. And remember, this is when their offense started faltering after Allen started his like first five, six games as a strong, if not the MVP candidate, next to Russ at that point of the season, which seems like an eternity ago now. But to Hayden's point, the trickle down was very strong and the season high rate of two high safeties that the Bills played because the Chiefs just took it. They were like, sure, if you're going to give us that, fine. We'll run 46 times for 245 yards and one score and just shove it down your throat that way. It doesn't matter to us. Uh, also, Tyreek Hill saw a season low in targets three in that game because the Bills just didn't want them to throw fine. They didn't throw. They ran successfully. They don't need to. I do think we see a different outlook for both sides in this game. Um, The concern is that the Chiefs also, like you had mentioned, Pat, really just haven't been explosive. Um, Now they haven't scored 22 points at home in three consecutive games. If it weren't for the Jets game, they would have an even longer streak of not beating teams by more than one score. So yeah, it's it's a faltering offense. It's one that really hasn't been too impactful outside of just outright winning the second half of the season. And so that's why I think the Bills can at least hang around here. John, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, heart of a champion, winners, right? Uh, that's what, that's the analysis we're supposed to get right now. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, the wide receiver trickle down. We'll see what happens. Like I said, Tyreek Hill, if they play two high safeties again, that they probably try to jam him fewer targets. But I will say the Bills D is going to get eaten alive by Travis Kelsey, as every defense does. But against the Colts, recall, the tight ends for the Colts caught 14 of 16 targets for 130 yards in that game. And then last week, Mark Andrews got 11 targets. But, of course, Lamar Jackson – uh, wind as well as uh, as Huntley under center as well. So yeah, I, it's just going to be a, it's going to be a huge day here, no matter what for Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I think four catches for 28 yards on those 11 targets for Andrews. Uh, guys, Josh Allen had one of his ugliest stat lines this season against the Chiefs. Season low 122 yards, just 4.5 yards per attempt in a Week Six loss to KC. We've basically seen two versions of Josh Allen. This postseason, 10.4 yards per attempt in the win over the Colts, 6.1 against the Ravens when they only scored 17 points last week. What do you think we'll see from Allen in this Bills offense this time around, Hayden? I wasn't too impressed with the Bills last week. And like like Dago said, I'm basically throwing out the Bills side of things on offense and that, that first game just for all those reasons we just mentioned. I don't know. I don't have too much conviction in how like the Chiefs play defense. They're kind of just average across the board. The Bills aren't going to run the ball at all. I can I can very confident in that. They didn't use Singletary much, despite him being the clear lead back. So yeah, it's going to be come down to Stephon Diggs and John Brown to me over Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley doesn't look fully right. He threw up a goose egg last week. I think it's just going to come down to John Brown, Stephon Diggs, and just hoping that this game stays stays close together. I, I like the over here just in general. 
But I don't have too much conviction on the Bills side of things, like schematically, really. And, and then, of course, remember this last game, John Brown played, played every snap, but Layden didn't see a single target. Or maybe did he see three targets and didn't catch a ball? Either way, came up with a zero in the box score because he was clearly not healthy. Uh, far from healthy in that game. Had a couple downfield shots that he basically just dropped in the end zone. And so he's at full health now. We saw last week after he didn't perform well in the wild card round, despite being involved for every play. So yeah, I, I think it's a entirely different Bills offense we see here. And I like them. I like them quite a bit in this game. I'll say this. So the first game, yeah, was probably Josh Allen's worst start of the season. He only completed 14 passes. And this is a game where like the Bills were playing from behind most of the game, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I just looked while Hayden was talking, the weather app on my phone it is supposed to be raining and 44 degrees in Kansas City on Sunday. And I just feel like, so the Chiefs defense, it's not like a world beating defense, but I would still say it's very above average against the pass. And we just haven't seen Josh Allen like fully break through, I feel like, against these kind of defenses. And like I said, it was not an overly impressive game against the Ravens. Josh Allen still, he's like uh, in the playoffs, he's like making my jaw drop with the amount of passes he completes within like six inches of the sideline. Uh, but then, yeah, it was kind of overall, it was very inaccurate last week, kind of like the most inaccurate we've seen him in a while. And we haven't seen him fully break through against like the, what I would say above average pass defenses and, or like smartly scheme defenses too. the chiefs defense. I feel like it's pretty well organized, pretty well arranged. And this is going to be a massive test for Josh Allen. Pat, are you using the standard built-in weather app on the phone or do you have one that you <laughs> downloaded separately? Just curious. No, I mean, I'm just a man of the people, you know, it's just the standard built-in weather app. I mean, I pulls its data, I believe from weather.com and you know, the national weather service is probably, but I'm assuming though, they get their weather from the national weather service. So uh, yeah, I'm just a man of the people with the weather app. It will come down to Josh down as well. Hayden already mentioned it, but yeah, Devin Singletary, even without Zach Moss, 10 of 12 backfield touches, and the Bills called 40 dropbacks to nine running back carries overall. So it's all going to be on Allen's shoulders. I was just going to say, John, like you said, 40. Like, are we, that was the number I meant. Are we going to see 40 pass attempts from both these quarterbacks? Because that would be like my dream. Uh, hopefully, like the weather conditions permit that, but. We want to see just the run totally abandoned in this game. As we said, the Bills, you know, like quite literally abandoned the run last week. And uh, the Chiefs have dabbled with that several times this season. And I would love to see 40-plus attempts uh, from both quarterbacks. We'll see about when, but the good thing is we we know cold and snow won't affect either quarterback. They're both used to playing it around this time. Um, and both have been successful in those conditions. So, yeah, it's going to be – I mean, it is the AFC championship we deserve. The Titans and Steelers punting themselves out of the playoffs, whereas Andy Reid had a backup quarterback and called a fourth down play call just to move along and get to the next round safely because he knew if it went to overtime, it's over. He can't play overtime with a backup quarterback in the playoffs. So this is the championship game we deserve, and they deserve it. Pat will tell you, though, the play before that, the third and 14 where Henny scrambled was actually cheating. You're not supposed to run on third third down. It's 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 against the spirit you, of the game. You guys miss it on Monday's podcast. We talked on Madden about, you know, how third and 14, maybe just actually yeah, respect the game, throw a pass, don't just immediately scramble and get the first down. Do you run no huddle on Madden? Yeah, I, I so kidding oh. aside, I do that all the time, the scrambling. And, yeah, I'm all hurry up, basically. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pedal the metal. I'm like Chip Kelly, uh, you know, in his salad days at Oregon. <laughs> yeah. 
In the spirit of my Devontae Adams question, I'm going to ask the obligatory Stefan Diggs question. That's probably not even a question, but he has 51 catches for 732 yards and six touchdowns the last six games. I don't know what the question is here other than, I mean, there's basically, regardless of what happens with Josh Allen, Hayden, there's nothing can stop the avenue that is the Allen to Diggs connection, right? I mean, we're not fearing this matchup at all. Is that fair to say? No, and like Brashad Breland, the Chiefs corner, he was like banged up. I don't know his condition going into this game, but I, I think I have Stephon Diggs projected for like 101 yards. Yeah, he's just dominating. And like that's the guy they're going to go to. And John Brown, the second in line. And like we said, uh, we think we're going we're gonna to see like 40 pass attempts from the Bills here. They're not going to run the ball. So John Brown's way too cheap on DraftKings and the other DFS sites. He looks much better. And like I think people forgot – how good John Brown is in this like number two role. Like he, he really transforms this offense. So get your John Brown shares and definitely get your stuff on Diggs shares. For Diggs, 75 yards in six straight games and over 105 of the last six. Like Adams, there is nothing stopping him here. Yeah. Quickly about this Casey backfield. We know that Buffalo is likely to abandon the run. And Casey has been, well, Pat, I think you said they've been dabbling and abandoning the run. They've also been dabbling a little bit and running it. Daryl Williams had 17 touches for 94 yards last week. Outtouch Le'Veon Bell 17-2. I think we're still waiting to see what happens with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. But, Daigle, you talked about backfield uncertainty possibly being our friend in DFS. Is this Chiefs backfield one that you're going to pick a player from in DFS this weekend? Uh, if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire plays, I would lean him. He's probably going to come in completely under-rostered. But I will say if he's out, uh, there it is not ambiguous at all. It was not ambiguous last week, despite people treating it that way. We have now seen two games since week 16 that CEH has not played, and it's been Daryl Williams, the mentor, and Le'Veon Bell. And Le'Veon Bell hasn't been a factor whatsoever. Pretty much just on his way out to free agency already. Daryl Williams has outsnapped him 101 to 31 and had 31 to 41 backfield touches in those two games. So Bell is just a non-piece in this offense whatsoever if CEH is out. It's a shame for DFS purposes that the Chiefs game is the second game because I feel like CEH can end up like a true game time decision and just make this all uh, very complicated in daily fantasy. It's good that we're ending on a note from our DFS guru though. You know, I feel like it brings it full circle. Yeah. I mean, I've just got people, people from NBC, you guys maybe never even heard of or contacted me now. Like we need more DFS content from Pat. Uh, (laughs) It's ridiculous. Like he needs to start sharing his secrets. Um, Maybe make his own tab on the site. Like Roto Pat DFS. And we're, we're working on it. (laughs) All right. That's going to do it for us. We'll be back on Monday with a recap of the NFC and AFC championship games. Guys, anything you want to promote before we get out of here? Hayden's projections, Denny's ranks. Uh, you guys you guys still doing a DFS uh, live show? Um, no. Not this week, no. Not for two, <laughs> game, not for two game slates. So cut nothing, that out. Cut that nothing out. to promote. See me on the golf course. <laughs> oh, well, we got we got uh, like player props and like betting stuff going on. You'll, oh, see, it on, you'll see it online. You can't miss it. <laughs> It's going to get shoved down your throat from the account. Don't worry. (laughs) We'll be right there in your face the entire time. Daigle, Pat, Hayden, thanks, guys. Thanks to all of you for listening. We'll see you on Monday.